a few of you know that I have the privilege of being a soccer coach, and I've been a soccer coach for many years now. I love it. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Uh, our season starts next week. We start our first game, and uh, I want to just take you back all the way back to my very first season coaching. I was coaching at one of our local playgrounds, and uh, I was coaching six-year-olds. And what I, I, I went into that season so excited because I was like, I'm going to teach these kids the X's and O's of soccer. We're going to develop plays. We, we are literally, they're literally going to be, you know, messy when they get done with this season. They're going to be amazing. He's one of the best uh, soccer players in the world right now. And what I realized very quickly was I only really ended up with one goal in that very first season with those six-year-olds. And that one goal was... Get them to kick the ball in the right direction. Because we had many times throughout the season where they would actually score for the other team. And so and I would rally them together. We would come together and we would go, okay, everybody, what do we, what do we remember? We got to kick the ball the right way, coach. And I would say, okay, everybody, which way is the right way? And 90% of them would point to the wrong direction. And I'd go, no, no, no. I had moments as a coach where I was running down the field and, and they're, you know, so excited. Yay, yay. And I'm going, no, no. Turn around, turn around. Kick the ball the other way. Well, little, little did I know that the goal, our last game, was a win for us because that very last game, they actually scored goals on the right goal. Amen. I was so excited about it. You know, I was thinking about this journey of diversity with us. And really, here's the issue that I want to dive into. I believe in this particular subject of diversity, we can believe and we can think that we're scoring in the right way. We can believe that we are winning in this area when what I want us to do is make sure that we're listening to our coach God, Jesus, and I want us to listen to him and let him point us the right direction. Let him decide because here's what you have to know about God. He actually sees the whole playing field. He sees it all. And so if we'll tune our ears to be able to listen to our coach, I believe this morning that we're going to kick the ball the right way. And every once in a while you have what, what I'll call kind of an aha moment where it's this moment that changes everything. It's a moment where something is spoken or you realize something about a relationship or you realize something about a, a, a situation or a circumstance or you hear about God's will in some way. You have this aha moment where, where everything changes. And what I'll say is you actually see the world for what it is instead of the way you'd been taught to see it. You see the world for what it actually is rather than for the way that you've been taught to see it. Stephen Covey says it like this. We see the world not as it is, but as we are, or as we are conditioned to see it. Let me say that again. We see the world not as it is, but as we are, or as we are conditioned to see it. Now, this, here's the problem. This isn't just a Christian thing. It's not just a religious thing. It's just a thing. It, it's, a, it's a perspective issue. It's a perspective of we see the world the way that we see the world. And the problem with that is many times the way that we see things, that we see the world, it actually holds us back from God's best. 
because our perspective is wrong in an area, it actually helps us not win in that area. We actually get tripped up in that area because our perspective is not God's perspective. That's why the Bible talks about something called renewing the mind. Everybody just take your hands, put it on your mind, and say, my mind has to be renewed. Yeah. The Bible talks about this. It talks about renewing the mind. And ultimately what we want when we say, God, will you renew my, my mind, is we want to be able to see things as God sees them. We want to say, God, will you help me to see this situation clearly? Will you help me to see as you see in this situation? And here's why. When we see as God sees, we are more inclined to do as God says. Watch this now. When we see as God sees, we are more inclined to do as God says. So this is a prayer that I, I frequently pray because I realize in my own life, y'all are probably more spiritual than I am, but in my own life, I rarely am, am viewing things from God's perspective. And so I'll say, God, will you help me to see this person like you see them? Will you, will you help me to see this relationship like you see it? Will you help me to see this situation like, like you see that? Will you help me, God, renew my mind so I can see what you see and that will make it much easier to do as you say? It's just like, those of you that have kids, how many of you are parents? Raise your hands if you are, are parents, okay? When you are parenting, one of the things that you say to your kids when they're little is you'll give them instructions and they'll say, well, why? And I promised myself I wouldn't say this as a dad, but I do. I say it, okay? And I just say, please just do it because I, what? Because I said so. But as you get older, if you continue to only say that, you're going to miss the mark in your parenting. Because as you get older, it's not just getting them to do what you say, it's getting them to see what you see. It's getting them to, to view the lens through your perspective. And so as God's children, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to say, God, will you give us your perspective? Give us your lens. And on this particular issue of diversity, here's what you gotta know. This has actually been a problem ever since there were human beings on the planet. And it was actually a huge problem even in the New Testament church 2,000 years ago. Now, there's lots of different uh, groups that had struggles with each other and lots of issues with this diversity uh, piece. But here's what I want you to know. There was a group of people called the Jews and the Gentiles that is literally impossible to ignore. And here's what you, 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 I want you to understand. If they wouldn't have gotten this issue right of Jews and Gentiles, we wouldn't be here this morning, okay? We wouldn't actually be in this room gathered together worshiping God in one uni unison together. We wouldn't be here together this morning. And so God wants to deal with this issue of the Jews and the Gentiles. And he, he does it through this guy named Peter. Now, if you're Catholic, okay, Peter is the first pope, okay? So we know we're going to pay attention to this scripture as the first pope. If you're not Catholic in the room, Peter is literally one of the founders of the church. He's the guy that Jesus looked at and said, upon this rock, I will build my church. He was there in the moment that the church was birthed, okay? And so we look at this and we, we see that God is actually dealing with Simon Peter about this area of diversity. 
And what, what we find is as we read these verses that, that Peter goes up and he's praying on this flat roof. And as he's praying, God shows him a vision. It's this cloud of animals, birds, animals, reptiles, and it's coming down. And God says to him, Peter, get up, prepare that, and eat. And Peter says to the Lord, no, God, I would never do that. That's unclean. That's impure. I would never do that. And just to back up on this, there was, back in the Old Testament, God had given the Jewish people what's called the Mosaic Law. And the Mosaic Law was simply, uh, it was a bunch of rules and regulations and laws that God had kind of put forth and said, hey, I don't want you to do this, and please do this, and all of this stuff. But one of the things that existed in in the Mosaic Law was that they had these dietary regulations, and that included things like not eating pork, okay? Not eating birds, not eating certain animals, certain reptiles. And, and God is saying to Peter, he's literally reversing the Mosaic law in this passage. And Peter's like, no, I would never eat that pork chop, God. I would not do it. Lord, no matter what you say, I will not eat bacon. I'm gonna tell you something. If God told me to eat bacon, he wouldn't have to repeat himself. Right? Peter doesn't know what he's missing here, man. And, and so God says no. And, and it's interesting in this passage that God has to actually repeat this three times. How many of you are like me and you're hard-headed? And God has to tell you things more than once. Come on, am I alone here? There's like five of us. The rest of you are so spiritual, okay? <laughs> he says three times, don't eat this. Or, I want you to eat this. And Peter, no, I would never eat that, God. But I want you to eat this. No, I would never do that, God. But I want you to do this. No, I would never do that, God. And all of a sudden, Peter begins to understand, wait, he's not just talking about the meat here. What he's actually talking about is that Jews and Gentiles are actually going to come together in unison here. That there's this diversity piece that's, that God is putting together here. Because Peter, one of the founders of the church, this, this God's man of power for the hour, I mean, one of the guys, is struggling with actually believing that the Jews are above the Gentiles. That God loves the Jews because they are God's chosen people and because they're Abraham's descendants. Peter actually believes at this time that God loves the Jewish people more than he does the Gentiles. And God's saying, hold up, wait a minute. Oh, let's move on. All of the disciples had grown up with this idea, these customs, these ideologies, these things that they had been taught. And what they're having to do is they're having to wrestle with how does my faith in Christ change my thinking in this diversity piece, in this area. And here's what that proves. You can have a right relationship with God and your thinking can still be wrong. You can have a right relationship with God and your thinking can still be wrong. You and God can be okay. You can be on your way to heaven. If God forbid you were to die today, if Jesus came back, you would go to heaven. You're in right relationship with God, but your thinking can still be wrong. And this is why we say, God, renew my mind. I'm not thinking right. Help me to think and see as you see. And so you can have a right relationship with God and still be wrong. Let's, let's move to a different part of this story. There's another part of this story that we read about in our opening passage. 
that involves a Gentile individual named Cornelius. And the same day that Peter is having this vision, Cornelius is is visited by an angel during his prayer time, and the angel tells him, send Peter to come to your house. Now, Cornelius is a Gentile. Peter is a Jew. This is a big deal. And watch how this unfolds, Acts 10, 28. Peter told them, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. Now, what a way to start the conversation, right? Peter comes into his house and says, hey, you know I'm not supposed to be here, right? You know we don't do this, right? Now, this is funny. But watch. Modern day. You know white people don't go into an African-American's house, right? Hello? You know Hispanics and African-Americans, oh, we don't, we don't eat together, right? You know that, right? You know Asians don't eat with this group. Watch this. You know us older people stick together. We don't hang out with you young folk. Well, us young folk, y'all, don't, y'all could never understand our generation. We would never eat together with you because we're afraid you'd fall asleep on us. That wasn't in my notes. Let's move on. He starts the conversation, Peter, by telling him, I, you know I shouldn't be here. But watch how it continues. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. God has shown me that I should never think of anyone as impure or unclean. And here's the solution. This is what I'm getting to. The solution to racial diversity and racial reconciliation, the solution to prejudice, the solution to bigotry, the solution to ageism, the solution to all of these issues is not just a better education. It's not just for us to have more discussions. Those are all good things. But the solution is this. It starts in the heart. It has to start in the heart. If it doesn't start in the heart, it won't be fruitful. It won't last. And newsflash, you can't change your own heart. God has to change your heart. You can't change your own thinking. God has to change your thinking. Now, here's what I I, want to say this morning, okay? I got a little mirror here because what, what we tend to do in this situation is we tend to look in the mirror and say, okay, what do I got to change? How can I change in this area? How, how can I be more, you know, how, how can I make sure that I pay attention more to, to people that are different than me, that are diverse from me? That How can I do that? And I'm here today to tell you, you can stare in the mirror all day and you can work hard and you can say, I'm going to change this and I'm going to try to change my political view and I'm going to try to change this perspective and that perspective. This is not the position that will get it done. Let me show you the position that will get it done. This is the position that will get it done. This is it. God, I know I have prejudice. I know I have bigotry in my heart. Lord, there's this, this, I know I do, God. I know it's somewhere in there. You have to change my heart. You have to change me, God. 
Help me not to ever think of anyone as impure or unclean or below me in any way, shape, or form. You died for all people, Lord God. You gave your life for all people. Lord, they're all important to you. You love them just as much as you love me. God, you have to change my heart. This is a heart issue. Diversity is God's heart. He died for all people. He loves all people. If you're not regularly praying and asking God, show me where I have prejudice. Show me where I have bigotry. Show me, God, where I have an ageism issue, where I'm looking at different age groups in a way and I'm judging them in a way that I should not. Show me. God, show me how to change my heart. Let me be clear. We're not talking about social justice here. The difference between social justice and biblical justice, and social justice is good. I'm not dogging it. But social justice deals with external factors. Biblical justice is about internal factors. It's about what's inside. Jesus said this, John 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Here's the takeaway for you this morning, those of you that take notes, write this down. One question that you'll ask God about this particular topic of diversity. One question. If you'll ask God this question, I know he will show you. I know you'll see change in this area. Here it is, simple question. God, what is hidden in my heart? What is hidden in my heart? Hidden means it's not right there and it's not easy for you to see or find. God's got to dig below some stuff there. And here's how you know stuff is hidden in your heart. Here's some comments that you hear yourself saying. Well, that's just the way I was raised. Hmm. That's just me. It's just me. I don't mean anything by it. You know I don't mean anything by it. That, that's just me. And God's going, no, no, no. There it is. It's hidden. It's hidden. It's down there. That, that prejudice, that bigotry, that, that, that issue, it's, it's hidden. Well, you know, I, was, I just grew up here at a different time. and It's gotten so much better than it was. But, you know, it wasn't all bad during those times. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And we're never going back there. That's just my family. I mean, you should have met my dad. He was way worse than me. I mean, way worse than me. My, my grandpa, oh, wow. You should have heard some of the stuff that came out of his mouth and the way that he thought about people different than him. What's hidden in your heart? I want you to walk away today and say, God, help me to spot it and despise it. As you show me what's in my heart, Help me to spot it and then have the courage to despise it and then ask you to eradicate it. Take it out of my heart. 
Help me, God, to know it's in my heart, spot it, and despise it, and then get it out of there, God. Help me to eradicate it. Because there's a lot of things you can say as a Christ follower, but one thing that you can never have as somebody who is following Jesus is an excuse. We have no excuses. We have to get this right, church. We will be a church that is intolerant of prejudice and bigotry and racism, ageism. We will be a church that loves people different than us and that actually does it on purpose. If you wonder why we have multiple styles of music on a Sunday morning, that's not accidental. That's on purpose. Hello? Because we have to be intentional about this. And as you ask God what's in your heart, there's three things that I want you to do following that. Number one, I want you to develop cross-cultural relationships. I want you to converse and interact with people that are a different age than you, that are a different race than you, that are a different class than you, a different culture than you are. I want you to develop cross-cultural relationships. Number two, I want you to develop social awareness. Social awareness. Now, I want you to, I just want you to know the easiest way to develop social awareness. Close this, open this, open these. Close this, stop these. Facebook, oh, I got an opinion on this one. Close this, stop these, open these, open these. Listen, observe, watch. Put yourself in the shoes of someone else. Number three, last one. I want you to pursue cross-cultural competence. Pursue cross-cultural competence. Become competent. Become competent at knowing different races, at knowing different ages, at knowing different classes, at understanding what other people struggle through and what other people face. Become competent at being able to to develop these cross-cultural relationships. And as we close today, I want to say this. Did you know that heaven is not going to be full of people that are only your race? that are only your age. Listen to this, Revelation 7, 9 through 10. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Did you see that? John has a revelation of heaven and the revelation is all different nations, all different people, people of all shapes and all sizes and all colors coming together around God's throne. And you know what I want to do? I want to have a church that looks like heaven. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. This is God's church. All ages, all cultures, all classes of people, all races of people. This is God's church. Now together, let's just lift up our hands to heaven and I want to pray for us. (laughs) Jesus. 
you see your church, one church, Lord, made up of the human race, Lord, all ages, all classes, all races, all cultures. And God, I just pray that you would help us to get this area right. Diversity is in your heart. Help it, help it to be in our hearts. Lord, that we would continually get on our knees and we would say, show us, God, what is hidden in our hearts. And then we would eradicate that. Help us to see as you see, to see people, every person as you see them. And I pray, God, that this would be a place, Lord, that anyone from any background, any race, at any age knows that they can come in. And they will not only be tolerated, they will be celebrated. That we wouldn't just tolerate diversity, we would embrace diversity. Help us to be a church that embraces diversity. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let me say this before we leave. I, I believe that one of the reasons why there's such a physical, tangible breakthrough, you could almost feel it this morning, is because this is an area that the enemy uses every day. And this morning, I believe that just for a few moments, we literally shoved the enemy back and said, nah, nah, not in this church, not in this church.